we would be very remiss, however, <clears throat> if before we turn to the text, we don't ask the Lord to minister. That's what that song was all about, wasn't it? Praying for one another. Yesterday, the deacons and myself were up at KU Hospital with Mrs. Palmeyer. Has a very serious infectious disease that they can't figure out. And they requested prayer. And we look at James chapter 5 together. In that text, we see three prayers. The person in need, afflicted, sick, praying. The prayer of faith, being the elders, the leadership in the church. And thirdly, right after that, and I think it's in verse 18, it gives the general admonition, pray one for another, corporate praying. We'll never go anywhere as a church without prayer warriors. And I want to encourage us this morning to lift up our hearts right now. God has something. I think he's already had a bunch of somethings for many of us here. But as we look into God's word right now, let's just ask the Lord to really minister the truth and that we would respond to it. Would you join me as we pray? Father, I thank you for what we've already heard, seen. Lord, we are grateful that you love us. You so loved us that you gave your only begotten son. Lord, we would certainly pray if there's someone in this room this morning that doesn't have saving faith, they've never put their trust in you, that today would be that day. And Lord, I pray for believers here this morning that whatever you would have in ministering to their needs, you would accomplish that today by us being willing and submitted and yielded to your will. Lord, I thank you for every father here. And as we direct our thoughts there this morning, I pray that you would encourage each and every one. Lord, I pray for Rachel House. You know the needs financially and with staff, with volunteers. And I pray, Lord, that you'd raise up an army, an army that would have the same experiences that Brother Dupree shared with us about giving people encouragement about real life and eternal life. So you direct our time now, and we'll give you the praise for everything you're going to do. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. The Bible says this, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And as I thought about that text, I wanted to not focus on negative things that we fathers can do and any Christian can do to one another, but I wanted to focus on some positive things. We're going to finish the message with three things that I really think are key for every one of us and certainly for fathers. Because this text isn't saying, listen, dads, all we need you to do is don't say anything that makes them angry. This isn't neutrality being spoken of here. This is we need to go beyond not doing negative things 
but doing the positive things that encourage. Don't you love to be encouraged? Don't you love it when people care enough about you to encourage you? Do you realize what Brother DePriest was sharing today? When these people come in, they're not pounding them over the head. They are encouraging them that God loves them. That that is a real life in there. That is a human being. That is an innocent child. And how important it is for you and I to be so focused on being encouraging. That's why I have titled the message, A Call to Be an Encouraging Father. And I want us to look at the aspects of this verse. I see three things. I see a calling, I see a condemning, and I see a cause. And I want us to think about those this morning. And please don't tune me out if you're not a father here today. The truth here relates to all of us. And so let's look first of all at the calling. Did you notice that it begins with the word fathers? Fathers. And when I thought about that word, I thought about how, and I'm sure the DePriest would say this, how many fathers today have no idea of what genuine biblical fatherhood looks like. We have been in such a sad state of affairs without spiritual guidance and direction, taking the word of God out of public places, taking prayer out of public places, that there's so much distortion out there, it's sad to think about. It's sad to think about how many fathers here this morning might have had a father that didn't love them like God the Father loves them. But regardless of your situation, our reminder, our model, everything that we need to know about fatherhood is captured in what the Bible tells us about our Heavenly Father. So I want us to, I'm going to quickly, you don't have to turn to these passages, but I want to remind you of how the Bible describes our God as Father. In fact, are you, are you aware that that is the most common designation the Bible gives to God? God the Father. And so I noted that in John, and many of these are in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 6, verse 45, it says, And they shall be all taught of God. Aren't you glad that God the Father is a teacher? Aren't you glad that he has given us his word to guide us, to instruct us, to help us in every aspect of life? And certainly in this matter of fatherhood and being a mom, being a child, it's all here. And how important it is. The Bible also says in John 10, verse 36, whom the Father has sanctified. What does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be set apart. It means to be set apart. Fathers, we do a great disservice if we're not constantly encouraging our children to be set apart for God. Set apart to serve Him, to live for Him, to worship Him, to raise the next generation for Him. In John chapter 16, it says, 
For the Father himself loveth you. And we understand those great passages in Scripture about God the Father being a loving Father. It's such a tragedy for me to think about how many fathers don't show love and affection. In fact, are you not amazed, as we've had testimonies in here through the years, how many sitting here maybe today never heard their dad say to them, son or daughter, I love you? I hope that's not true of us. I hope that we are expressing love and showing love as God the Father does. In 2 Corinthians 1, this common salutation is that God the Father is a Father of mercies and comfort. Aren't you glad that God's mercies are new every day? Aren't you glad, Brother DePriest, that regardless of what happens in the past, there are new mercies today to grant forgiveness and blessing for whatever. We're all sinners, aren't we? Let's not categorize and call one sin far worse than the other. We need to understand that all before God, all of our righteousnesses are what? Filthy rags. Filthy rags. And how much we need God's mercy and grace and comfort. In Ephesians, it says this. He is the father of all spiritual blessings. The father of all spiritual blessings. Aren't you grateful for the blessings God has given to you? I've shared this, but I want to repeat it. I don't think it's an age factor, although I know I'm getting old. But the older I get, the more I have to say things like, God, why did you bless me with being born into a Christian family? Why did you bless me at being born in the United States of America? Lord, why did you bless me to have me be in church at an early age? And hear the gospel presented. And I realize that's not everybody's testimony here. But regardless of what your condition is. God the Father is a father of all spiritual blessings. He has blessed us in innumerable ways. Later on in Ephesians it says this. He is the father of glory. May give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Oh, do we need God's wisdom today to function and to live? What a calling. What an opportunity to lift up the wisdom of God's word and see it work out in our lives. The world is filled with what James calls earthly, devilish wisdom. We were praying this morning and reminding ourselves early that we live in perilous times. That word perilous times is literally the word devilish times. In fact, it's the same word used for the demoniac of Gadara. And you remember his condition and his situation. The importance of you and I having the wisdom that only comes from God. Second Timothy reminds us he's a God, the father of grace, mercy, and peace. Peace. 
Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Do you have God's peace today? Do you know the peace of God which passeth all understanding? Do you realize the ultimate reason God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to earth? Is because we're all born alienated from God. We're all born with a sinful nature. And something has to bridge that alienation. And it was Jesus Christ. And he came to live, to die, to be buried, and to rise again. That you and I could be called, not enemies, but sons, daughters, adopted into God's family. One last thing. I think I'd be remiss to not share this one. Hebrews chapter 12 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son in whom he receiveth. And that next verse talks about, And what fathers on earth don't discipline their own children? We need to be grateful, don't we, for God's chastening work in our lives, how he wants to not let us if we're off the track, stay off the track, but get back into a right standing. I'll tell you what, folks. I can remember some times since I got saved at 15 years of age that I got off track. And you know what I remember about those times? Miserable. That's the word that comes to mind. I find it interesting that when we're off the right track, many times we want to act like everything's great, no problem. But down deep, you know, those quiet hours, those nighttime hours, lying there, experiencing the guilt and the shame of our sin. But I rejoice in knowing That greater than our sin is the grace of God. For where, where sin doth abound, grace doth much more, significantly more abound. But grace only comes through humility and what God wants us to do. So there's a calling. And that calling is fatherhood. Clearly right here. Fathers. He's directing Attention to fathers. He's talked about children in the passage. He's talked about wives. Talked about husbands. But specifically verse 21, fathers. What a calling. What a privilege. Brother DePriest, I want you to know I was touched by the thought of you getting to heaven and Jesus having two babies. Yours. Wow. Fatherhood. What a calling. But the second thing is the correction that I see in the text. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. And this is where I would like to be positive this morning. 
I want to be an encouragement to all of us, but particularly to dads today. Because it's interesting, there's a parallel passage in Ephesians 6. There it says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But do you know the word provoke in Ephesians is different than the word provoke in Colossians 3? In Colossians 3, that word provoke is a general term. It can be a good usage or it can be a bad usage. In fact, I wrote this verse down. Um, I think you are uh, familiar with it. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul writes and says, Your zeal hath provoked very many. In other words, the zeal that those Corinthian believers that were on the right track, what they were doing, their zeal for the Lord was provoking, stirring up, encouraging the people there in Corinth. Isn't that the way we want to be? Man, we ought not to come to church to um, become more just here. We ought to come to be excited to hear from God, to hear what he has for us, and walk out those doors with a purpose and a resolve that we're going to be an encouragement and a blessing. We're going to give the gospel truth Wherever we go, we're going to pass out those tracks. We've been emphasizing, we didn't do it today, but passing out tracks, faithfully giving people. Here's some ways to encourage. I wrote them down. Hey, dads, be reasonable in your demands. Be patient in your explanations. Be balanced in your protection. Don't overprotect and don't underprotect. We need God's wisdom, don't we, to know that balance always? Need to have balanced love. Need to have more praise than criticism. We need to show affection. It's one thing to say I love you, it's another thing to give him a big hug. It's another thing to give him a big hug. You know, I got an unexpected text this morning. My oldest son, Carl's oldest son, his name is Addison. He's a junior in high school. And I get a text this morning. Grandpa, I love you. Thank you for raising my dad. That meant a lot. And I wrote, texted back, I love you. All the importance of showing love. Showing love isn't a wimpy thing, it's a manly thing. It's being strong in the Lord. I don't care how, how tough those tough guys are. Everyone appreciates love. Be affectionate. Give boundaries. But make sure you help them understand that boundaries are for their protection. Not for their limitations, but to protect them from all the evils that are out there. Encourage them to focus on meeting needs. Be balanced in discipline. 
Do we have an anger problem in America? We have a major anger problem. Road rage, every other kind of way that anger shows up. People going into public places, upset about a reprimand at work or whatever it is, and shooting the place up, killing people. I wonder how many of those situations go back to a dad who provoked their children to anger. There's serious correction here. And if you've been one of those that has let anger control you, I want you to know today, God wants to help you resolve that anger. Not manage it, not let it explode and say you're sorry, but let it be controlled before it gets to any explosive thing. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live next to a volcano. And I'm afraid too many people are having to live next to human volcanoes. Could explode at any time. Correction, provoke not. Provoke not. Fathers, you've got authority. And I think this admonition here is a reminder that authority is to be used in a biblically balanced way. In a way that puts God first. In fact, that's where I want to go because my third point is not just your calling and your correction, but your cause. Notice the cause at the end of the verse that they would not be discouraged. You ever been discouraged? (laughs) Who hasn't, huh? You ever seen a child discouraged? Happens way too often. And that made me think about this. There's all kinds of little practical, nitty-gritty things we could talk about. We've already mentioned a few as fathers. But I want to finish my message this morning by taking three virtues in Scripture and challenging us as a church family filled with dads and moms and children to evaluate if these virtues are being instilled in our children. Here they are. Number one, hope. Hope. The Bible says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Friday, my wife and I went to a neighbor. Not where we live now, but where we lived for all those years. Right up here. Mom's name is Janet. We just got word that Janet's oldest son, Pat, I forget, do you remember how old? Was he in his 30s? 30-some years old. Hung himself. I remember... That father and a little boy named Mac coming to Grandma and Grandpa's house, playing outside. And Janet, with tears, talked about little Mac. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. 
Why are we seeing all the suicides? All of the things that are so tragic in our country when we've been so spiritually blessed. Because hope is gone. But here's the key. Are we, are you, instilling hope in God? I think most parents would say, lost parents as well, oh, I want my kids to have hope. You know what the problem is? They hope in all kinds of things that don't make any difference and don't satisfy. Are we instilling hope in God? Hope is a future look at what God has prepared and what God wants to do. We, we must, we must instill in our children that regardless of what is happening around us, our hope is in the Lord. Our hope's in the Lord. He's prepared a place for us, hasn't he? A mansion, he calls it. He's prepared a place where there is no sin. There is no anger. There is no suicide. Only joy and peace at being with the one who created everything, who sustains everything, and who saves us. Hope. Hope. So hope has a future look. It reminds us that God is the God of the past, the present, and the future. He's always been, and He always will be. Boy, are we instilling hope? We walk around our houses and talk about how hopeless things are in America, how terrible they are. And there certainly is a lot of that. But wait a minute. We don't have to live there. We can have hope in God who gives us in his word the truth of what he's got planned for us. What's out there? What's beyond? Ten years, a hundred years, a thousand years, I don't know. Hope. Not only is hope in God a future look, hope in God is a faith look. Have you ever thought about how those are connected? What does Hebrews say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith and hope work together. I see hope as a forward look down the road, and faith as being right now, I believe in that future that God has prepared, and I'm going to act on it today. I don't need faith for tomorrow. I need faith for today. I need to walk by faith today. Are you instilling and encouraging your children in that future look that hope gives in that faith look? You know what? I think some of the sweetest times I can recall are times when I didn't know what to do. Dad, don't you hate that? Don't you always just like to know this is exactly what we're going to do as a family? Sometimes you feel really, I don't know, But what a privilege to say, you know what? 
I don't know exactly what the next step is, but we're going to trust God and we're going to walk by faith and he's going to make it clear to us. I can guarantee you this, Dad. There have been times when I've been in that spot and I decided this is what we're going to do and God wasn't in it. That was not a shortcut, guys. There wasn't anything quick and easy about that. That's a dead-end route. God wants us to walk with faith in him. He will direct. Didn't he promise that? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God isn't sitting up there saying, Oh, I hope that Bob Francine can figure out what to do today. You know what he is? He's up there saying, Hey, Bob, I'm up here. Talk to me. Hey, Bob, I'm in the book. Read it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Think on it. How do you increase hope? I asked myself that question. I saw two things. Psalm 119 talks about it, but listen to Romans 15.4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You know what that tells me? I don't get hope by reading the newspaper. I don't get hope by watching Fox News. I get hope by reading the scripture, meditating on the truth. And I love what Paul, I believe, said here. Oh, yeah, it was Paul before Agrippa in Acts 26. Listen to, listen to his words to Agrippa. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, um, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come, which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. You know what Paul was saying? I increase hope by focusing on what God has promised. Have you gone through the scripture lately and looked at all the promises in the word of God? Every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. Every time I think about promises, I think about my mom and dad having this little box, plastic box. And in it were little cards. And every meal, they'd pull a card out. You know what was on the card? Promises. Promises. Not promises from my parents to me. But promises that God put in his word that we could live by. You want to increase your hope in your children? Keep them in the Word. Keep them focused on the promises that God has given. You say, well, I'm doing it. Good job. Here's the question. Is there any way you can do more? Is there any way, any opportunity? How about that travel time in the car? How about that bedtime? How about mealtime? You name it, there's all kinds of opportunities. If we're going to encourage our children, 
It ought to be to give them hope in God. The second thing, and I need to finish here, is joy in living for God. Hey, Dad, can I remind us of something? You can say the exact right thing with the wrong attitude and negate everything you said. You understand what I'm saying? If you're complaining, you're mumbling, grumbling, murmuring about spiritual things, about the way God has treated you, or whatever else is going on, I guarantee you your children are going to hear that attitude and they won't listen to one word you say, even if it's the right word. Joy in living for God. I'm not too worried this morning that we've got a bunch of dads out here cursing at their kids, telling them to do all kinds of sinful things. But you know what I am concerned about? Dad's out here serving God with no joy. Missing the joy of serving the Lord. Psalm 4 says this, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time of that their corn and their wine increased. You know what the psalmist is saying? Joy isn't about just having a great bountiful harvest and things going right. Joy is about recognizing God ought to be our joy. He ought to be our delight. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he'll give thee the desires of thine heart. The importance of teaching our children by our own attitudes in the home That there's a joy in going to church. There's a joy in serving at Rachel House. There's a joy at teaching Sunday school. There's a joy at being a greeter or being an usher. There's a joy in serving the Lord every single day. There's a joy in helping our neighbor in our neighborhoods. There's a joy at giving a track to people where we shop or where we eat. How important it is. Hope and joy. I have one more. To me, this is a biggie. This one really hit me hard. Confidence. The Bible says, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Everywhere I go in America, it's not God confidence, it's self confidence. Isn't it? Isn't it exactly that's the world's message? Hey, listen, you've got to build up your esteem and your confidence enough that you can be all you're supposed to be. I um, thought this was interesting. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul, who's been saved by my calculation about 20 years at the time of writing 2 Corinthians, wrote this. We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God which raises the dead. Now do you realize Paul could have said, hey, 
I have faced all kinds of persecution and trials. Hey, I've had other people threaten me with death. I'm not worried about you. I can handle it. That wasn't the spirit. God, I need you. Dads, what are you doing to instill a God confidence in your children? You can count on him, can't you? He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll love us unconditionally, regardless. He wants the best for us. He's not Scrooge. But he wants us to put our confidence in him. I tell our teachers every year at the opening of teacher orientation. Teachers, remember the dangers? The dangers is, oh, I've dealt with every kind of kid. I know how to handle that. No, you don't. No, you don't. You need God every single year. You know what? Hey, pastor, you've preached all kinds of messages. Certainly you can give another one with little or no preparation or prayer. Oh, boy. Dead-end street. Not going to work. What are we doing to instill confidence in God? Hope in God? Joy in living for God? Confidence in God? It's a grand calling to be a father. My challenge to us today is look to the Father daily, Heavenly Father, for your model for treating your family. There's great correction And that correction is don't provoke your children. Don't provoke your spouse to anger. And there's a gracious cause. And that's to encourage your children and your spouse with a hope and a joy and a confidence in God. You know what? I may be talking to some dads this morning that say, You know what, Pastor? I need some encouragement. You know what the Bible would say? Give some encouragement away. I may have some dads here that are saying, you know, all I need is a little more respect at home. How about giving respect at home, Dad? You know what? I just need my kids to love me more. Are you giving love to them? consistently, regardless of what they do. Boy, up, Brother Francine, all I need is a little peace and quiet. Are you giving some peace and quiet to your family? I think the bottom line to Colossians 3.21 is this. The more you love God the Father, Jesus His Son and the Holy Spirit, the more you'll love your family. We started by singing, adoring God. Is that your heart today? Are you faithfully 
rejoicing in the calling God has given you, dads? Are you constantly aware of your words and attitudes that might be provoking to anger? Are you constantly motivated by the cause to have them not be discouraged, but encouraged because we serve a great God who can do all things? Boy, it's too easy to lose sight, isn't it? In the middle of all the life to forget what a great God we have. How about it today? You enjoying your calling? You guarding any kind of provoking? Guarding against that? And really doing everything you can to encourage your family to have hope and joy and confidence in God. Let's stand together, can we?